0: Very good. You don't have a Bible, please go grab one quickly. And turn to Colossians chapter three. Very good. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. By the way, be ready to be uh, turning a lot in the Bible tonight. We're talking about dwelling in God's Word, and so we need to get used to flipping the pages around to so be ready for that. All right, if, if I start reading it and you're not there yet, just keep following along. All right, now I told you a new series tonight called Dwelling. We're going to really focus in 2020, really focusing on our walk with the Lord. And so, a lot of what we're going to be talking about is going to be some practical information and how you can grow. In your faith. Now tonight, Women's Day. This is a four-week series, and tonight we're talking about dwelling in God's word. So this is kind of an intro lesson that's going to lead into the other weeks. Also, yes, chapter Colossians three? chapter three, verse seventeen, verse sixteen. Okay. All right. So, as you're following along, and if you want to take notes, please take notes. It's going to be a little bit of information. Um, so if you, if you want to remember everything I would recommend taking notes. You don't have a notebook tonight that's fine, but I recommend start bringing one. okay let's turn to Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 through 17. Now this is the verse I read up there earlier, but we're going to read it again, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do in word or deed, you do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God the Father. Through him. This entire series okay, is going to anchor on these two verses here. Now, of course, we want to use more than just those two verses, but this is where we're anchoring. The question we have to answer what does it mean to dwell in God's Word? We have to know what that actually means. It's one thing to say, yeah, I'm going to dwell in God's Word, I'm going to make it a big part of my life, but what does that actually mean? Notice in verse 16 it starts out, let the Word of God dwell in you. Richly. This whole series is going to focus on God's Word dwelling in us, and us dwelling in God's Word. Now that I told you this a four-week series, so the four-week series is going to look like this. Tonight we're talking about dwell in His Word. Number two is filled with the Holy Spirit. Three is whatever you do, glorify the Lord. And four, thankful for what God has done. Let us pray, and then we'll dig in tonight. Dear God, we're so thankful to be here. Thank you for allowing us an opportunity to come together and to dig into your word. Lord, I pray that this is challenging, and I pray that it brings us to the cross today, Lord, and realize what you've done for us. I pray that after we're done tonight, that we take your word even more seriously than we ever had before. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, I pray. Amen. Now turn on over to Ephesians chapter 3. You should see a trend here because we're in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 through 17. Yes. We'll get another one. It's fine. All right. Okay. so Ephesians chapter three, verse sixteen through seventeen. Okay. Doesn't need to have any talking right now. Because even if you're not able to turn now, I still want you to listen. Okay. So the first question we have to answer is, what does it mean to dwell in God's word? Now we have to ask, why why do we dwell in God's word? And it's very simple. It's to be filled with the enjoyment of God's love. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 through 17 says this, that according to the riches of the glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your intervening, being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love. You see a word that's repeating here, which is dwell. The reason we struggle to dwell in God's word is because we don't allow God to dwell in us. In other words, the reason why we struggle to spend time in the Word, the reason why we struggle to even know what God's Word says, is because we're so focused on what we've got going on, that we don't allow God to truly dwell in us. Maybe you're one of those people who reads the Word of God, and after you read it, you may remember it for uh, maybe a couple minutes, a couple hours, and then you forget what you've read. But if we're dwelling in the Word of God, we should know what we're saying and what God's trying to tell us. Hebrews 4.12 says this. You don't have to turn there. Okay, don't, you don't have to turn there. By the time you get there, i already done. Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul, and of the spirit of joints, and of marrow and discerning thoughts and intentions of the heart. The writer of Hebrews here says the Word of God is living and it is active. Does not change; it applies to everything in life. Yes. We wrote Hebrews. Huh? We, wrote Hebrews. we don't know. They don't know that. It's like Paul. It? Yeah. Well, people think Paul. I don't think it's Paul actually. Okay, because it doesn't match up with his letters. But we actually don't know who the writer of Hebrews is. And there's a debate among scholars. Who's your it. It's It's on. All right. So, in other words, the Word of God, if it's living and it's active, it's essential to our growth in our spiritual life. Now, this is why I told you to take notes because we're going to look at eight ways that God's Word works in our lives. Okay, so there's a couple of words I want you to remember through this. Number one, how does the Word of God work in our life? God's Word is enlightened. Now, how many of you have ever learned something new? Yeah, probably some of that, right? Yeah. Now, if it's something, uh, how many of you are bad at math? Okay, now, almost everybody. every time. Almost everybody, okay? Let's actually talk about this for a second, okay? Because... In math, this this is a personal story, okay? I remember when I was in math class in high school, um, I was actually pretty good in math. But one thing I did not like about math, okay, is that if you don't know what you're doing, there's no way you're going to get the problem right. Okay? Once you figure out the formulas, once you figure out how to do it, then you can do about every single problem, okay? But if you don't know the formula, if you don't know how to solve a problem, then no matter how hard you try, if you don't know it, you're just not going to be you're usually not going to be su- su- successful it. Now, understand this, okay? For me, when I finally learned that formula and I was able to do the work, it was very enlightening for me because I was able to actually be good in math. But until then, okay, I had no idea what I was doing. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Now, unfortunately, I can't answer a lot of questions tonight, because i got a lot of information to get through, and maybe I'll answer it as we go through it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and in the darkness He called light. And there was evening and there was morning, the first day. Now, obviously, we've heard this story before. Most of us have. In the beginning, there was God, heaven, earth, darkness. Okay, that's all there was. Okay, God was there. He created everything. Now, the first thing God creates is what? Light. That verse 3, when we let the word of God dwell in us, we will first be enlightened with God's truth. Turn over now. Actually, don't turn there. I'll just read it. Psalm 119, 130 says this. To there's there's a, a ton of verses in Psalm 119. You, you should read it. Okay, Psalm 119, verse 130. It says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It impairs understanding to the simple. So once we understand the Word of God, it should enlighten us to think that God is telling us. Okay. So in other words, when you look at Scripture, and one of the things I do not like to hear anybody say, from students to kids to adults, is when, they're, when someone's speaking on the Word or they're reading the Word, they say, well, i got nothing from this. i got nothing from this. And one of the reasons for that is probably because, one, you've closed your heart to what God's trying to tell you, or you're distracted, and so you're missing what God's telling you. So every time we open up God's Word, there's something at that moment God's trying to tell us. Now, it may not be something new, per se, it may be something to remind us for that day or whatever is going on in our life. But when we open up the Word of God, it should be enlightening to us. It should be something that we're gathering and understanding God as a purpose, a reason, Purpose that God has written this to us. Number two, God's word is nourishing. Now, when we talk about being nourished, as teenagers especially, there's two things that you uh, beg for. Right? Food and sleep. That's it. Yeah. Food and sleep. Turn to Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 4. Food and sleep. And if you guys go without either one of those, y'all are grumpy. Okay? That even applies to the adults as well. You don't have food, and you don't have sleep, Shh. you're going to be grumpy. So, when we talk about nourishment, okay, filling our bodies with energy, that's the first two things that we think of. Food and sleep. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. Now, this is where Jesus is being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. It says this, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So Jesus went out to the wilderness and he fasts. He does not eat for 40 days and 40 nights. And he was hungry. Now how many of you can go a day without you? Raise your hand if you think. Okay, a week? Two weeks? A month? Half. Okay, that's pretty good. Half. Just half. Just notice though... Too much talking, too much pressure. So I ask you to raise your hands, not talk. Okay. Notice a lot of times, even if we try, we're, we're going to fail unless we're focusing on God to get us through that. But we, when we get hungry, we've got to eat right then. That's, 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 that's usually how it goes for us. But Jesus noticing in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights, and he's fasting. But it does say that he is hungry. Verse 3 says this, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we see Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness, and the first thing Satan attacks is his what? His hunger. His hunger. His hunger. Well, his hunger. But yes, you're right. Okay? Jesus' response. He says, Man does not live by food Alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, Jesus is saying here, food does not sustain you. Okay? Uh, In this case, for you guys too, sleep does not sustain us. Okay? The thing that truly sustains us is the Word of God. And look into what that says. Now, I'm not saying go home and don't eat and and, and don't drink water. I'm not saying that. Okay? But the Word of God should be so important to us that that is what's truly sustaining us in our lives. This, ad, this is the attitude we should have towards God's Word. It sustains us. It nourishes us. God's Word will nourish our Christian walk. But if we do not open up our hearts, if we do not allow the Word of God to speak to us, then it cannot nourish us. Number three, God's Word quenches your thirst. Please turn to Isaiah chapter 55. I told you we were flipping a lot in Scripture tonight. Isaiah chapter 55. Verse 10, I am not even ask. Verse 10, Isaiah 55, verse you said 10. Verse now, example for me right now, and even all of this happened to us earlier. Earlier, we were running through the Psalms for worship tonight, and we, th- we didn't sound the best. Why? Our voice was very dry. Right? We were... We really needed some water. Now, we got some water. and We were able to get through it with prayer as well. All right? So there's stuff that we thirst for. When we get thirsty, we need to We, we try to replenish our thirst. Now, let me ask you a question. What's better for you? Water? Or sugary drinks? Coffee. Water. <laughs> coffee. <laughs> I get it. coffee. The obvious answer, okay, is water, okay? In other words, you probably heard maybe somebody say to you at some point, whatever you put in is what, what also goes out, right? <laughs> if you put bad things into your body, does it produce... Wait, wait. No no, 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 no. No comments. You, okay? <laughs> okay. If you put in bad things to your body, okay, is that going to help you? No, it's not. If you put good things to your body, is that going to help
1: you? Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so think about this. If we're filling ourselves with the things the world has to offer, is that going to help us? Okay. No, but if we're filling ourselves with the Word of God, is that going to help us? Yeah. Absolutely. Isaiah, Isaiah 55. Uh, Verse 10 says this, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but the water of the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and the bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from the mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So it says this, Just as the rain and snow falls from heaven, so will the word of God, so will the word go from my mouth. God's word is sent to us so we can live for Him and accomplish (coughs) God's. will. When we receive God's word, it makes us bear fruit and go forth for his glory. Think of it this way. Okay, I'll look at this picture here. Okay, so think about the word of God, okay? think about war a plant. Okay? Without the word of God, we dry up. Okay? And over time we're, we're continuing to not get into his word, we become drier and drier and drier and eventually are spirits are dead. But then when we get to God's Word and we're reading it over and over again and we're we're seeking out what God has for us and what He's trying to tell us, it waters us, it fills us back up, it quenches our thirst so that we don't have to live for ourselves but that we can do the work that God has called us to do. So to follow along so far, so, so far God's Word is enlightening. God's Word is nourishing. God's Word will quench your thirst. Sorry. Right. Number four, God's Word strengthens. Now, uh, in, or, in order to get strong, okay, what do you have to do? Not necessarily lift weights, but you got to do what? Exercise. you got to exercise, right? you got to work out. You've got to do it. Now, how do we become spiritually strong?
1: Right, right. We to,
0: we've got to be uh, working out spiritually. We've got to be getting into God's Word and actually seeing what it says. 1 John, you want turn there. First John, don't turn first John chapter 2, verse 14 uh, says this. It says, I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. It says, you are strong, and the word of God abides in you. Now, notice here, who's the writer of 1 John? Pretty obvious. John. 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 Okay. What does he, I know. What does John say makes these followers of Christ strong? What makes them strong? The truth. The what? The truth. They're filled with what? The Holy Spirit. The word it says the word of God abides in you. That's what makes them strong. He doesn't say you're able to lift more weights than somebody else. He doesn't say <laughs> you're able to run further than somebody else. He says you are strong and the word of God abides in you. Pointing out your spiritual strength is greater than physical strength. When we let God's Word abide in us, it becomes the best cure for our spirit, soul, and body. It strengthens us and it heals us. Number five, God's Word washes us. Turn down to Ephesians chapter 5. I should have been too far from where already mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, when you've been out, okay, and you've been out during the day... Even if you think you're not doing so, you're probably sweating at some point throughout the day. Yes. Or you're getting dirty. Alright? But so when you get dirty, what do you do? Wash. You need to wash stuff. You need to shower, right? If you go to the bathroom, and you use the bathroom, what should you be doing before you leave that room? Wash so, your hands. You know, this is, actually, this is actually common sense, right? It should be something that we do. Now, however, was giving us a look, because for some reason, you guys just don't do it. Huh? For some reason it's not common sense. I know, for some reason it's not common sense, but when I asked them, they knew, they, they still I I sure not wait, all right. um, no So, is if, we, if we know that God's Word washes and cleanses us from all our sins through Jesus Christ, why is it that we don't spend time in His Word? Now, this is, now this particular verse is referring to husbands and wives, but we're going to tie it back in here in a minute so just follow me Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, 27, says this, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or in any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. However, let's look at this one way. Now again, understand the interpretation here. I'm going to give you a little bit of insight when you're reading the Bible. You cannot mix up interpretation and application. Okay? In other words, what I'm saying is, what is the writer of Ephesians or any book of the Bible? What they actually trying to say? You got to know the audience in which they're talking to. You can't just say, "Well, this verse applies to me at this very moment." Okay? You can't start with application. You got to start with interpretation. Okay? What's the word actually saying? Then you can move on to so, say, "Okay, well, how does it apply to me now?" So let's switch it up a little bit. Let's look at the application of this. Let's change he and her to talk about a husband and wife. And let's make he as Christ. And her as the church, the follower of Christ. So think of it this way now. Verse 16 and verse 26. That he, Christ, might sanctify her, the church, cleansing her by the washing of the water in the word. The word of God is meant to wash us inwardly, removing all spots and wrinkles so that we may be clean before Christ. So that if we're not in God's word, we're not seeking what God's telling us to do. How do we come to God with an open heart and be cleansed? I'm going to you, something. Scripture said that if we're to come to God and worship and to God in prayer, do you know what it actually commands us to do, what it asks us to do? To come what? Holy. Huh? Holy and count. right. To come holy and to cleanse ourselves before Him. Matter of fact, when worship was established in the Old Testament, which we're going to talk about that at a later date, but here's a preview. When in the Old Testament, they were given different rules they had to the follow, or to worship. Now, it wasn't meant, okay, you have to do it this way, but it was in a way because God set a standard for them and taught them this is how you are to worship. Okay? And so that is why he gave the rules because he wanted to make sure when you come to God, you're washed. You're cleansed your sins, you've confessed your sins, and now we we can listen to what God has for us. Now, so that's number, that's number five, God washed that's Number six, God word, Bill. Turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter twenty. We're almost done. Follow, keep following, okay? So God builds us up. God God created us to 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 build the church. And I'm not saying build buildings. I'm saying build up the church so that God uh, God's will can be accomplished. So we're just staying by ourselves, okay? And God is filling us with all this wisdom and all this knowledge, and we're growing spiritually, but we're we're sitting back and we're not going out making more disciples, are we doing what God's called us to do? Yeah. No. And how can we go out and reach others for Christ if we don't know what the Word of God says? Okay. Exactly. So God's Word builds. Acts chapter 20, verse 32 says this. I'm there, sorry. Uh, it says this, And now I commend you to God to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So God's Word is able to build you up. What can take us from our lowest of lows to our highest of highs? God's Word is able to build us up. When we let the Word of God dwell in us, it will cause us to grow up into Christ and become the church. One body, one mission. If we're not spending time in the Word, if we're not seeking God, how are we able to be effectively be the church? Now, I'm going to say something very bold right now. This might be the problem. And a lot of churches today, they're coming to be filled, and they're coming to uh, to get a little. Oh, I, I need my word. I, I need to hear the word, and that's it. They don't go out. They're not accomplishing the mission. They're just being filled, but they're not building up the church. And so, if we're called to that, we've got to know what God is trying to tell us in His word. It's quite selfish. Number seven. I agree. God's word, I kind of cheated because this is actually two words. God's word completes and perfects. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. There's two more. Actually, this is the last verse. There you go. Last last verse you got to turn to, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. There's 16 and 17 coming back up. So once we grow, okay, spiritually, God's word completes us. To be everything God has created us to be. Look at 2 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. No, I'm in the wrong wrong place. Sorry. I was in Hebrews. I don't look right. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof. For correction and for the training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. Verse 17, that the man of God, women as well, may be complete, equipped for every good word. All scripture is used for four things. Okay, Broadly. Teaching, reproof, correction, and training. Now I noticed before what does the word reproof mean? Self-reflect. Self-reflect. Kind of good. Adults, what does the reproof mean? Yes. I didn't put them on the spot. They don't know. All right? It's something before correction. It's calling what? Calling out greed. It's, call, it's calling out sin. Basically calling out our faults. Okay? So, shh, It's a process. Teaching. See where we're wrong. Okay? Where we need some guidance in our life. Correct it. And then training. That's the four basic things. right? That the Word of God does is to be fully equipped for every good work that God has for us. When we let the Word of God dwell in us, God completes us and perfects us as the members of the body. Now, when I say perfects us, I'm going to say back, I'm not saying we become perfect. All right? What I'm saying is when we allow the Word of God to dwell in us and we're dwelling in His Word, God completes us to perfectly do His will. In other words, His will is going to be accomplished. Okay? But if we're not allowing the Word of God, dwell us and we're not dwelling in His Word and then we're missing out on uh, fully uh, reaching out to others and making disciples. Now the last thing God's Word edifies. God's Word edifies. We're created by God so that God can build up our weaknesses. Alright? And so these are the eight things. And I'm going to go over them again in case you're taking notes. Number one God's Word is enlightening. It, It brings us the truth. It sees something new every single day. God's Word is nourishing. It is uh, it satisfies our soul. It is nourishing to us like food and sleep would be, but it's even bigger than that. God's Word will quench our thirst. Once we become dry or going through a difficult time, get into God's Word, quenches our thirst, and makes us alive again. God's Word strengthens us, not physically, but spiritually. Number five, God's Word washes us. It washes us clean so that we can be clean before the Lord. God's Word builds, it builds us up to when uh, we're struggling with something, it builds us up in the body. Number seven, God's word completes and perfects, and the number eight, God's word edifies. So, let's simplify that. How do we dwell in God's word? There's four words: feed, read, sing, and speak. If you look at what when you go with the body of Christ, okay, when it's talking about the church in Acts, there's four things that they do. They break bread together, okay. They fellowship. They spend time with each other. They spend as of the body of Christ. Number two, read. Then you read the Word of God. What is God trying to tell us? Three, we sing. We sing praises to God for, all, for what He's teaching us in His Word. And four, we speak. We speak on what God is telling us through His Word. Let us bow our heads. God, I'm going to pray specifically tonight that we will want to strive to dwell in God's Word. I really want us to focus in this new year, and not just this one series, but the whole year, to really dig into not only God's Word, but what He's telling us every single day. Let's pray. Dear God, we're so thankful for tonight. I pray we're challenged by this. and Lord, I pray tonight that something stuck out uh, to to us tonight, and that maybe some changes we need to make so that we can dwell into Your Word more. Uh, life, a lot of times in our in our lives, we get so <coughs> distracted by ourselves and what we got going on in our life, and we have time for other things, but we struggle to make time for you. What well, I pray that this year will be the year that you are number one in our life. That you're the center of everything we do at our school, at the sporting events we have, and time with our family, a time out in public, whether we're hanging out with friends, whatever. We I pray our foundation <coughs> is built on you and your word, and that we dwell in your word. Lord, I also pray right now that as as you're seeking us, we seek you, Lord, in everything that we have. Lord, we're so thankful for what you did sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. We were separated from you, but you were able uh, to bring us back to you through your son Jesus, and we're so thankful for that. Thank you for allowing us to do this tonight, and we pray as we go out for our week, Lord, that we remember what you taught us. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and I pray. Amen. And don't forget guys, the setup team meeting right now